0: Where we as women are poised to go further than we ever have before, the Victorization Podcast cuts through the noise and takes us straight to the heart of what it truly means to advocate for ourselves and develop a mindset of taking up space and gives us the bow, the arrow, and the aim to find comfort in driving forward as our very best selves, as leaders in our personal and professional lives. Through intimate interviews with power players, entrepreneurs, visionaries, corporate hippies, and many more from all walks of life, we will redefine and shift the narrative from victim to victor to awaken the warrior spirit in all of us. I'm your host, Karen Bartuch. I'm a former Chicago police officer for almost 10 years who transitioned to the private sector and worked my way up to the C-suite of multimillion dollar businesses. As a result of witnessing the difficulty it is for women to advance in the workplace, I decided to build Davida Jane and dedicate my career to creating opportunities for women who want to be seen and heard as leaders. It's time for a victory lap.
1: Yeah, things have been good. Things have been also equally, they've been challenging though as well. Um, you know, right now we are in the midst of COVID. So um, I have a gallery that I recently just started. Um, I got it was the- beautiful by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I can still utilize it, not in the sense that I thought I was going to, but yes. So I'm here in my gallery right now. And, uh, you know, it's just been, it's been interesting because it's really, it's been a huge learning lesson. It's really taught me a lot about how to basically spin this into something positive and it's given me a challenge because I can now not really focus on selling my art in the traditional sense because right now I mean obviously fine art is certainly not a necessity and is not what people are thinking about buying it's a luxury item so um, my traditional mode of making money (laughs) and running this place has been to sell art traditionally so now i've kind of had to get creative and think outside the box and how else can i um how else can not just make money but how else can i bring more awareness to my brand and keep all of this everything that i've built after so many years how do i keep this all afloat so it doesn't just die um so it's been a challenge, and it's been a big learning lesson and I'm figuring it out along the way as are sure. as everyone else is, right? so I know that I'm certainly not alone, and everybody's definitely facing this in their own personal regard so yeah, so why don't you tell us a little
0: bit about your career journey so did you go to college for art? because this always been your passion?
1: Yeah, so as far as the journey goes it's it's funny i so I've always been will just take you back a little bit farther. So I've always yeah. been. I like the wayback machine. Like what did oh, you okay. think All right. <laughs> We still got a little time. So. All right. so yeah, if you go way back, I mean, I've always been a creative at heart. I've always been an artist at heart. I always loved creating, always loved making, inventing, um, building. And so I really gravitated towards my art classes in school. Sure. So those were the, always the classes that I was the most excited to be in. Those were the classes I excelled at. Um, especially come high school when you know art it was an elective then. So I got yeah. to like, the choice to you know if, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? And I would always gravitate towards the creative classes. Um, It wasn't until after graduating, though, that I just didn't know what I wanted to do for a living. So I graduated high school in 2002. And, you know, my gut always wanted to be a creator or an artist of some kind for a living. But society kind of always led me to believe that you can't make a living as an artist, that, you know, unless you want to be starving your whole life, that this isn't exactly a it's not exactly a lucrative career path. And so I started looking at other types of careers where I could still be creative. So I dabbled in interior design because, you know, just that's all visual and it kind of all ties into creativity. So I actually went to school originally for interior design and um, I kind of found out that interior design at the time, it just felt like it was more about, once that's I started. <laughs> yeah, it was just, there was so much about like sales and that really didn't appeal to me, even though like I feel like that's all I do now. <laughs> but at the time, I was just so fixated on, I just want to, you know, I just want to land these amazing clients and do these amazing, amazing projects. But, you know, it's really hard to like get yourself into the industry. I also didn't have the work ethic that I have now back in this point in time. So I, um, had to do a little soul-searching and reevaluating as far as what it is that I want to do. And uh, the idea of becoming a teacher and teaching art kind of sparked something within me. It seemed like a really great idea. And, uh, you know, I always loved the idea. of I, I remember my art teachers making such an impression on me and how fulfilling those classes were for me. And so for me to be able to give that back to another student that completely and utterly, you know, cherishes the outlet that art classes can provide. If I can give that back to students as well, how fulfilling would that be? So, This is when North Central came into play, (laughs) So, because it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do. Therefore, it took me a long time. My college journey was not a short one. Okay. Yeah, it was not a short one. Um, It was actually
0: important message to note, though, because I mean, I'm still figuring out what I want to do when I grow up, and I think there's a lot of people that kind of feel like that. And You know, like you're in high school, and you have to have it all figured out, or college even, and that's not the case.
1: It was, I mean, and for those that it is, you know, like my hat goes off to them because yeah. I think that it's really hard when you're that young to just have it all figured out. And so for me, it took me a good nine years. So I was, I stretched out my college days. <laughs> I, I did. I mean, I was in school and then I was out of school and then I was in school and I was out of school. So it was a really long process of me trying to figure out like, what, what the hell do I want to do? And where do I go from here? So I went to, I enrolled at North Central, I believe it was in 2009. And this is when it's like, okay, I have a plan and it feels really, really good. And um, so that's where I started getting, taking my classes for both education and for art. So I had all my fine art courses as well as my education courses.
0: And art like along the way, just on the side for fun during this time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was kind of always doing my own projects, so oh. I had my own little creative projects on the side that I would be doing, um, you know, nothing to make money, just, you know, it would be more crafty things, you know, it'd just be like, I loved upcycling things, oh. um, so I loved taking, you know, something that would otherwise be thrown in the garbage and turn it into something. Like, I got in a phase where I was doing a lot of art projects with wine corks, and I even used toilet paper rolls, and I don't know, it was just just silly, crafty things. Yeah, <laughs> not not silly. Not silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't really serving me any purpose other than just fulfillment of being creative, really. Okay. Um, and so I went, so where was I? So I was, uh, yeah, I enrolled at North Central, and I started taking my courses in education and, and fine art, and all of my art courses at North Central actually kept me very busy creatively because i was either working in the studio at the school or i was bringing my projects home and constantly working and creating and just this just opened up a whole another realm of creativity for me and um and i just i really really embraced it and i really loved it Um, so funny enough after nine years of college, I finally (laughs) graduated. And it's like, I've got the certificate, I can get a classroom, I can finally work. Um, However, I wasn't able to utilize it because my husband, who is also Canadian, he had just gotten a job in Toronto, so back in his hometown. So we were to move and that meant that moving to another country meant that I could not legally work so i had this new <laughs> <That's> <laughs> degree one you have it all figured out yeah no exactly exactly so just when i thought i had it all figured out that is when um i couldn't utilize what i had gained Yeah. and so we moved to toronto and in order for me to start working i had to apply for a permanent residency and the permanent residency however took two solid years to come through. So it's a very, very long process, at least it was in my case. And so for those two years, I couldn't work. So I was, um, well, I was a nanny under the table, just (laughs) kind of making cash under the table because like I still have to make a living. Um, And then I was making art. So we had this little, we got this adorable little brownstone apartment in downtown Toronto. And there was this bonus room. It was a little sun room actually. And in the sun room, it was only, I think eight feet by eight feet. It was teeny tiny, but that was where my little studio was. And I was just creating and creating and creating, except now this is when social media comes into play. So now, you know, I, I'm more active on Facebook. So this was back in 2011. Um, so I was more active on Facebook, obviously Facebook had been, you know, sort of in the scene for a while. Um, but Instagram just kind of came out and, or not came out, but that's when I joined it at least. So I joined, jumped onto Instagram in 2011. So I started creating a lot of paintings at the time and, um, I started posting them onto social media and I started to, I started to realize that people were reaching out to me and asking me about inquiries. Like, hey, is that for sale? Or if I give you a picture of my dog, can you paint my dog? Or, hey, uh, I just went on this beautiful vacation to Venice, Italy, could you paint this picture that I took when I was there? So it was just like little inquiries like that. And so I started to realize, oh my goodness, it seems as though people are willing to exchange their money for my art. Isn't this like what artists do? (laughs) <laughs> and were
0: they offering money or was it more like, can you do it? And then you kind of had to figure out if they were willing. Like to. they
1: wanted to commission me. So th- it, I awesome. mean, now granted, I had no idea how to charge. And that was one right. of the big learning curves was, well, oh, God, how do I value my art, or How do I charge? I don't know what to charge. And I mean, those days I was charging next to nothing. I was just happy that someone was asking me to create right. something for if them.
0: only I bought one back then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I so could so <laughs> I did. Yes. You you, you got in at a good time. Um, but yeah, so I started, um, so I started creating more and more art. And at the time, I started getting back into my unconventional ways of making art. And I always loved creating art in unconventional ways that just kind of made the piece a little bit more noteworthy, made the piece stand out, made the piece, gave the piece a story or an impact, if you will. And so I started dabbling in all these unconventional methods, which is what ultimately led me to creating with lipstick. So I've never been like a makeup junkie. I've never even been much of like a lipstick wearer myself and that's actually a fun fact is that I actually never really even wore lipstick up until like four years ago which is kind of funny
0: yeah I'm kind of like a chapstick gal but I felt like I should wear some in honor of you so I did well
1: well, it's beautiful on you you have a beautiful mouth you should like embrace that with your lipstick yes well and honestly I was the same way totally the same way I was a chapstick kind of girl and I just felt like when I would wear lipstick, it just, I felt like it made my face stand out too much or something. Yeah. But I also broke it down to, I think this is just a confidence thing. Like, Ooh. you know, so with like self-confidence came the confidence to be bold and wear lipstick yeah. and not be afraid of my, who cares if my face stands out? Like, why do I care? You know, yeah. and, um, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, but so anyway, all of these unconventional modes of art is what ultimately led me to the lipstick route. So it started because I was about to create a portrait of Marilyn Monroe and I was trying to create her in an unconventional way that would still correlate with Marilyn. And yeah. the idea of utilizing a feminine product like lipstick and putting my actual kisses in the piece, because that's just sort of like the wow factor. And it all, she was so famously known for blowing her kisses too. Yeah. So that is how that idea blossomed. Mm-hmm. and um,
0: Absolutely genius. Yeah. I love um, it.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. I was very, I was very excited about the idea, and my husband loved the idea. and He's like, "Oh my God, we got to post this on YouTube, and it's just yeah. gonna go viral." <laughs> yeah. So um, he had big plans for this uh, <laughs> idea. So we, did
0: we did. Idea it. come like right away, or was it something you thought
1: about on how to make it unconventional and stand out? You know, it was because I was. Well, I was my mind was constantly my mind, but the wheels in my mind were constantly turning, trying to think of like, okay, what's something really cool that I could do. I love doing portraiture. So it's like, who's like an icon that I could create in an unconventional way, but I want whatever that medium is to somehow correlate with the person that I'm creating. Yeah. Um, so I wanted it to make sense. Uh, in that regard. So I was in just the, I, I'm i trying to think at the, I'm trying to think back now. So this is a horrible example, but for example, like I painted, I did a portrait of my dog at one point and I used dog food. This sounds I so saw fun. that. I love it. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, love it. I saw it. Yeah. It, it, it was amazing. It's cute. It's really cute. And it wasn't wet dog food, you know, because that's really gross. But it, it was like kibble. It was kibble. But we, you know, creating my dog portrait out of kibble. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I mean about having the medium correlate with the subject.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm asking about that because I teach a creativity course. And one of the tips that we give people is to combine two things that don't normally go together. So now that you put them together, it makes total sense. But prior to that, it wasn't something that went together. Makeup and you know, a canvas, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause it's, it's just not, it's not traditional to put that medium to that medium. Right. And so, um, and that's exactly it. And, uh, so that's what planted the seed with lipstick and people. So we posted it to YouTube and it actually did get a really good response. Yeah. Um, it didn't go viral, but actually, I don't know, at this point, I think it's had maybe like a million views or something like that. But at the, you know, that's been like a slow and steady progression over the yeah. course of the past yeah. handful of years. It's not like it happened overnight. Um, but even still, it was something that people got it excited about. And it was, um, it just felt, it just felt my, well, Josh, my husband, he said to me, he's like, Lex, I feel like this is like your golden nugget. I think you need to really harness this because nobody else is doing this. And because you put your actual kisses in the piece, there's such a wow factor there. And there's a story there. And like, what's the symbolism behind the kiss print? And then that really got me thinking like, well, what? it's not just about creating a portrait of somebody and, you know, out of another, out of an unconventional medium. How can I tie a story to it? And so that's when I started to really start to reel in the idea of, um, you know, beauty and love and self-love and like what does the kiss print symbolize? What what does that mean to people? And so it was an evolution of, you know, what does lipstick mean and what does the kiss print mean and how can I tie that into the subjects that I choose to paint? So it's been quite an evolving process to say the least. Like to even
0: paint with the lipstick and work with the lipstick as a medium, I guess.
1: Well, it's, you know, when I started, I was only using red. So I never even thought to see what other colors under the sun there was. Mm -hmm. So I was only using red. And I was primarily using my kisses. And so it was for anyone that hasn't seen my artwork. um, If you scroll like way to the bottom of my Instagram feed, you'll see some of my first pieces. And you'll see that it's just red on red. And it's very like flat and two dimensional because you can only get so much depth perception with a flat kiss print. So in order for me to like be able to use, to add more detail into my artwork and to add more depth and to add more shadow, I realized like, why am I like limiting myself to just kissing the canvas? First of all, it's extremely laborious to just kiss, kiss. Um, And secondly, I'm, one reason I love making art is because I like using my hands and I'm not using my hands. So this is a stupid rule that I'm creating for myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's when I started drawing with the lipstick and I started using cosmetic brushes and painting with the lipstick. And that way I was able to blend colors and get more defined line and details, things like that. So I still put my kisses in all of my pieces. It's sort of my signature now. And I will adorn each piece with my actual kiss prints. But a lot of it is hand painted. Um but a lot of people don't realize that because now I work with I work with a full color palette and I've got the yellow and the blue and the green. So people just will walk by it and think it's just a painting with paint until they get up close and they see the kisses and I explain to them, well it's actually multicolored lipsticks. Yeah. So
0: So
1: cool. And so what
0: happened with the Marilyn Monroe picture? Where is that today?
1: So that would be, so my very first lipstick Lex investor, she was, um, she actually lives in Toronto and she was a mother at the school that my husband taught at. So my husband was also a teacher back at the time. And, uh, so she had found out about me and my arts, uh, just, through the school that he worked at and she was a huge Marilyn Monroe fan oh, awesome. and so my husband said to her oh my god well you've got to hear about this piece that my wife just made and so he sent her the YouTube link and she was like oh my god I have to have it and so she bought it so she was my first she was my first lipstick let investor so yes <laughs> and
0: then was there a there's a pizza place that bought a lot of your work right or a restaurant
1: Oh yeah, you're referring to the um, the documentary that you recently just, or not the documentary, the little. I saw something the, on Instagram. I, was, I stalk you on Instagram, so <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So that was actually um, that was so in Westmont. So it's a suburb outside of Chicago. Uh, my in-laws are good friends with the owner of this restaurant um, called uh, Vince Torres, and. Uh, they my my uh, mother in law she kind of helped she wanted she helped decorate the restaurant a little bit and so she had told Bobby his name is the, that's the name of the owner about me and my work and he's like yes absolutely we need to get her art in here this is incredible and he said you know it'd be really great if we could tie in some of you know the classic Italian the Rat Pack kind of yeah you know, icon. So I did a Frank Sinatra, a Dean Martin. Um, my
0: husband would love this. He's from Elwood Park Battalion. Oh.
1: So he would love this. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. You guys should, yeah, you guys should go in there then. Um, yeah, it's in downtown Westmont, Westmont, just by the tracks there. And uh, yeah, I've got, to think, 14 pieces hanging up, but there's some of my very first ones. So it's really cool to see the progression of some of my earlier works compared to these works. so
0: yeah, yeah, and to me, portraiture is the most difficult to do. I mean, I could draw an animal, I guess, sort of, but if I try to draw a face, like, I'm done. <laughs>
1: it's Yeah, you know, faces are, I, like, that's how I'm with hands. I, I'm like that with hands. <laughs> it's hard for me to master hands, but um, I've gotten good with faces over the years, but I yeah. think one reason I was always drawn to doing faces was because of the challenge and, like, that feeling of, like, oh, yeah, got it, you know, when it's done. Um, so... But yeah, it's, they are, it's a difficult subject. There's no, there's no question. And it's beautiful. And
0: your Instagram is really fun to follow, by the way. Very positive. So I encourage everybody to go follow Lipstick Lex on Instagram. And so can you talk a little bit about the turning it into a business part and what that looked like? Yeah. Yeah. I know. It sort of takes the fun out of it, but you sort of have to do that in order to evolve and scale and oh, absolutely. continue exactly. to do this as a living.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, that was that was the biggest learning curve for me. It still is. I'm still learning so much as far as how to run a business. I never went to school for business. I never was business minded or business savvy. Um, didn't really know a damn thing about marketing or you know advertising or anything like that. So honestly, I kind of jumped into this business, which I just sort of naturally created, I guess. So it was more about, first, I created the brand, you know, I gave myself a title, I don't know, we'll call it Lipstick Lex. And I probably could have come up with something more interesting. But at the time, you know, back in 2012, or whenever I gave myself the name, um, you know, it seemed know. fitting. And it flowed. Yeah. So I started by just giving myself the name. And I focused on just utilizing these free platforms on social media. This is a way that I can market and advertise myself for free. I don't need anyone to do it for me. And um, so then it was just a lot of creating content. So like the more creative content I put out there and the more I push it on social media, the more eyeballs that will start to see it. So that was kind of like the first introductory processes. And then um, over the course of time, once I started feeling more confident about my portfolio and my body of work and what I was doing, and I was creating a lot of videos as well, I started just pitching myself to anybody, galleries, companies, people. I just started pitching myself anywhere I could. I just basically for lack of a better phrase, I just threw a bunch of shit until something stuck kind of thing. (laughs) And- uh, In person or over email or how were you doing this? It was primarily over email. It would either be email or I would write people private messages on social media. If I had an opportunity to meet somebody face to face, I would definitely do that. I mean, I would just go and walk into galleries and be like, hi, my name's Alexis. And you know, and I would just pitch myself. And to be honest, like, I'm going to, I got to tell you, it was just failure after failure after failure. And it was difficult because with pitching yourself, you know, I didn't have an agent or a manager representing me or anything like that. You know, I always kind of felt icky promoting and pitching myself, but it's like, this is what I want to do and somebody has to do it. So I might as well do it myself.
0: Yeah. And when you're walking into gallery, what's the pitch? Like, will you host my paintings here for sale? Is that how it works? Or what? It was. was
1: Yeah, well, first of all, it was really hard to walk in and even like speak to somebody. So you kind of have to set that up ahead of time gallery owners don't like artists to just walk in and be like, hey, stop what you're doing and look at my work. Um, So I learned very quickly, you need to set up a meeting first, don't just walk in with a portfolio under your arm, because that might have been the way people did it like back in the past. But now people like to be notified if somebody's, coming. you know, so that's definitely a tip. If you're going to walk in, make sure you set up an, an appointment via phone or email. Um, But yeah, so I would go in and like, let's say I had an appointment. So I would go in and I would have, you know, a couple pieces, like physical pieces available, just small ones that I could carry in with me. And then I would make sure that my, um, all of my pieces that were on my phone, like via my Instagram feed, or this is also, I just set up a website for myself, so make sure my website was handy. And I would just like have them there to display. And I would just say, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying, I'm using an unconventional method here and this is my artwork. And um, so, and most of the time, and I don't know, I think, I think galleries can smell a sense of like unprofessionalism, you know, just based on, based on your delivery and based on your content that you have to show them. So, at the time, you know, I was creating this lipstick art, but my my subject matter was still kind of a little bit all over the place because I was trying to fulfill art for other people. I wasn't making art for myself, so I had this lipstick body of work, but I had stuff from portraits to plants to animals to sceneries. Um, so there wasn't that cohesiveness that I think a lot of galleries like to see, mm. and. So it was a bit of a struggle in the beginning, but these are all things that I figured out over the course of time. <clears throat> and and so the reaction to using lipstick, usually the reaction was pretty like they would like first be like hmm. kind of confused and raise their eyebrows and they weren't really sure what I was talking about. And then I'd say, you just have to see it to understand what I'm talking about. So it's just, if you can just like take a minute to just look at what I'm talking about and then it will make sense. And after they see it, they usually were very much in awe about it and they thought it was really cool and something really different. Um, However, it still was, it's still, I don't know why, but it has always, it it was always a difficult sell still. And people would say, or I would be asked questions such as, well, you know, who represents you or where else have you shown your work? And it's really hard when you're just starting out because you don't have those references yet. And you don't have, you know, major companies or, you know, private commissions that you can, you know, accolades that you can flaunt or, you know, provide for them. So it's, it's about them being willing to take a risk or take a chance on you, if you will, right? So, um, but yeah, it was just constant perseverance and getting used to being told no and being okay with being told no, because out of, The thing is, is what I've learned is I could, out of like a hundred pitches, you might only gain like five, you know, maybe less. You're going to be told no more than you're going to be told yes, even if what you're doing is amazing. Even now, I pitched my, like, I feel like I've developed a really good name for myself and I have a really nice looking body of work and I have a really good um, portfolio. And I've also worked with some really incredible brands and companies over the course of the years. And it looks good to say, you know, I've been, I've worked with Sephora or I've worked with MAC Cosmetics, but that doesn't still, that doesn't mean that it's going to land me the next job that I try to pitch, right? So it's just a matter of constantly putting yourself out there, being used to being rejected. Don't stop because you got rejected. Just learn from that rejection. Why did they say no? How can I change my pitch for next time to make it better? What can I do in my own brand to make it better? What can I do to make myself and my work seem more professional? And then just put that towards your next pitch.
0: So So, was there a time where you were like, maybe I should do something different or I should quit? Or you always felt you would move forward?
1: I always had feelings of like, what am I doing? And is this going to work? But I just have had such, I have such a passion to just succeed. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know. I never thought of myself as being the entrepreneurial type. However, there must be something within me because I just can't stop. I'm kind of like addicted to making this work. Yeah. And so there have been plenty of times that I want to throw in the towel, especially when times get scary as far as when's my next sale and how am I gonna pay this bill, things like that. But for whatever reason, I've been able I I don't know if it's just my utmost belief, but I've always been, I always seem to have had just enough to take me to the next month and to the next month and to keep it going and to propel yeah. it forward. But I don't think that that's gonna happen if you doubt yourself entirely. You have to have the belief, not to sound like super wooey or whatever, but.
0: Oh, no, it's an important message about resilience and entrepreneurship is hard and.
1: Yep, but yeah. if you if you can see it and you can see your success story and you believe it in your hardest parts, mm-hmm. then. Somehow, it's just gonna pan out. It's yeah. just gonna work. You just have to trust the process.
0: You can go back and have your pretty woman moment and be like, "Big mistake." Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love it. I'm a part of a startup now, and we're in the cold calling phase, and it's tough, man. I mean, it's you know, a hundred nos and maybe three yeses. It's and so it's tough. But yeah. You keep going and you know you're so new it's the only way to get eyeballs on what you're doing is just picking up the phone and calling people.
1: That's all you, I mean, that's all you can do. I mean, you're not gonna. you're, you, you can't re you can't receive any yeses at all if you don't try. Right. So yeah. I mean, you just, you've just got to get used to the nose and be totally okay with the nose and okay, great. Moving on, you know? Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's just, it's all about perseverance, truly.
0: Yeah. And you touched a little bit on self-love and some of your pieces even say that. And, mm-hmm. you know, my question is around art. I would feel like it's somewhat fragile in that it's open to judgment from other people. Like even if I do like a PowerPoint, I'm like, ooh, are they going to like the design that I did or whatever? It's somewhat fragile. Do you ever get that feeling about your art or have you gotten better at that over time about letting people see your artwork and, you know, having it be open to scrutiny and judgment mm-hmm. in any-
1: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had, I mean, there are definitely pieces that people absolutely love, and then there have been pieces that people just don't get, or they don't understand, or it makes them uncomfortable. I recently did a portrait, actually, of Ellen DeGeneres and Portia De Rossi, and they, I did it for Pride Month last year, Mm -hmm. and, um, And it's a, it's a beautiful portrait of them, but they're just like embracing each other and they're smiling and they look like they're about to go in for a kiss. So it was all about, um, because my art is, it's about love and it's about inclusivity, inclus, oh my gosh, inclusivity. thank you. I don't know why I just can't say that word right now. Um, and And so I'm trying to embody and embrace that. And I just find that there's such amazing role models that have helped pave the way for so many people. And so I wanted to create this piece, this iconic piece. Um, Obviously, I wanted to pitch it to Ellen as well. (laughs) Um, Not a bad plan. (laughs) No, not a bad plan at all. And um, that piece just made a lot of people uncomfortable. They didn't, I don't know. It just didn't go, yep, yep. Yep, there were people that absolutely loved it. And then there were a lot of people that felt uncomfortable with it as well. So it's just, uh, but that's the thing is, but to be an artist, I think there's there almost has to be an element of, you don't want to appeal to everybody.
0: You're right, right. Because
1: then like what makes you so... There almost has to be some kind of controversy or something to drum up emotions with people. And I feel like those are the ones that you see are the most successful.
0: Well, Yeah, I always say you haven't made it until you have haters. And usually when I start to get negative comments, then I'm like, ah, I've made it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So once you start getting the trolls and the negative comments, then... And, you know, my mom actually was the first one to remind me of that because once I started putting myself out there onto YouTube, um, especially – so Business Insider at one point, uh, this was like my first viral video I had. Business Insider had posted um, like this montage of me creating and what I do and just a bunch of my pieces. And because it didn't come – because this YouTube uh, video didn't come from me – was put out to the world from another source and a very large platform so therefore it received just like oodles and oodles and oodles of comments don't and because, read the comments, <laughs> read the comments. <laughs> oh yes and I did and I that that was one point going back to your question of did you ever want to throw in the towel it was due to that that I wanted to throw oh. in the towel because the comments were so awful they were so awful and so mean and and then I was like, it started making me question, oh my gosh, is what I'm doing disgusting? Or, oh my gosh, is what I'm doing completely weird? Or, oh my gosh, is what I'm doing like totally projecting sex? Or is what, I mean, just the, com- the comments and like the things that people came up with were so ridiculous. But, you know, my mom said the exact, what you just said, she's like, Lex, you've got haters, honey, that means that you're doing something right. So <laughs> yeah,
0: that's unbelievable though. Cause I look at your work and it's like, I wouldn't even think of any of those things. So that's on them. That's not you.
1: That exactly. That's just my mom, as my mom likes to call them, they're honey, they're just losers behind a laptop. Okay. <laughs> well, and I also like to tell
0: myself, like I can't put too much stake in the positive comments either because then I'm going to put a lot of stake in the negative comments. So I have to do it because it's genuine me, and it feels good for me, and it's something that I'm passionate about.
1: Which yeah. that's an impression from you, so. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So,
0: so you also have a nonprofit that you recently formed, Kisses for a Cause.
1: Yeah, thanks for asking about that. Um, I it, we we just started it, so. I have donated just tens of thousands of dollars through my art to charities throughout the years, charities that I believe in um, or I've taken the funds from what I've earned and I put it towards other foundations that I believe in. So, and my sister actually, so she's, you know, a huge, um, she she works with nonprofits all the time and she's like "lex you need to have a nonprofit" and i said i don't even understand how a nonprofit really works and so she said i'll help you get it set up and she you know taught me all the ins and outs of the nonprofit, and again, this just kind of goes into the whole play of like, you don't have to know how something works, just take the first step and you'll figure it out as you go, right? (laughs) So she set up my nonprofit, helped me get my nonprofit set up. So yes, it's called Kisses for a Cause. Um, And the whole idea behind it is to be able to, um, to be able to embrace other local artists and to be able to give back through my work my work that's all embodies the idea of love and care, and be able to deliver that to the world. So, um, right now we're working on a special project. We're trying to work with this whole COVID case right now, and we're trying to put out community kits for the public. So we're trying to um, we're creating these kits that are geared towards low-income families and. Right now, as a mother of two children, I can only imagine what it must be like, especially as a single mom right now, who all of a sudden is out of work, has no income, her kids are home, she needs to homeschool, and she doesn't have any money to diaper her child because, you know, the crazies before her just bought 20 packs of diapers at a time, you know, so it's just, um, it's got to be a really difficult situation for a lot of people right now so right now we're working on a project um, to raise money for these low-income families uh, we're actually partnering with feeding Tampa Bay and uh, we're basically just trying to build this thing but just like any business this is a nonprofit that's brand spanking new so it's about getting the word out there and trying to you know it's, it's again hearing a lot of rejections you know because to be able to do something like this you need money to fund it and yeah. Especially right now, I mean, so many banks and companies and individuals are putting forth money towards mega giant charities right now, you know. And I'm not the Red Cross, right? So, you know, it's just trying to unleash this new nonprofit and let people know what it's about and what I want to do with it and, you know, hopefully do something impactful. But over the course of time, I definitely want to. just continue to bring awareness back to Kisses for a Cause, um, get donations where I can, because I want to be able to put that towards, you know, causes that I believe in and, you know, try and put my own spin on them too, so. And I think you're in it for the
0: long game and, you know, it's going to take time to build that up. You could do that with your business. So can
1: you talk a little bit about your beautiful gallery that you're in and? Yeah, so my gallery was, this was a, truly a dream. I um, have dreamt of having my own gallery. You know what I mean? Like I said, I came from my studio space in Toronto was eight feet by eight feet, you know? And so it's like now I have 2,600 square feet here to play with. And it's just incredible. I mean, it was truly a dream. It was something that I've worked the better part of my adulthood towards. And um, what's great about my galleries, it's not just a place for me to create my art and for me to display and sell my art. Um, but ultimately, our goal for this place, and now it's you know, obviously all being put on hold right now, but it's not just a gallery, it's an event space as well. And um, similar to what I'm trying to do with my nonprofit, I want to help um, support our local artisans. And what we wanna do is we wanna bring in local talent. So not just visual artists, but our main goal is like, let's bring in local musicians, and let's bring in local comics, and let's bring in local you know, let's do slam poetry, let's have dueling piano bar nights, like, let's make this place a fun, warm, inviting place that people want to be, because I have been in so many art galleries that are stuffy, and they're cold, and they're intimidating, and I don't even, I'll, like, peer in the windows, and once the salesperson sees me, I run away kind of thing, like, that is not what I want to have here, I want to have a gallery that, you know, the door is open, the music is on, and people are here. And so we're trying to, it, I, the, the little slogan that's actually on my door, it says, not your ordinary gal- gallery or your ordinary artist. So it's like, I am not an ordinary artist. I do not want to have an ordinary gallery. So, yeah. So that's the intention for the gallery. Um, it was definitely quite a, I don't know, it was definitely quite a punch in the gut, I guess, yeah. when my gallery launch was actually, the very weekend that our nation was told to quarantine. So it was a lot of work and build up and, you know, poured a lot into the opening of this gallery and then it never even really got to happen. So, um, you know, all that's just gonna have to be put on hold. And in the meantime, I'm just trying to reinvent what I'm doing a little bit to make sure that, you know, all of this can stay afloat. And so it's been taking, it's taken a lot of inner work and, Thinking outside the box and getting extra creative. You know, if I can't sell my art traditionally right now as a mode to keep all this afloat, then what else can I do? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm hopeful that it will come back at some point. It's just, is it two months from now or is it six months from now? Right. Yeah. Right. And so, what can we expect next from you then?
1: Yeah. I mean, right now, it's all about keeping it's all about expanding my brand. So my brand isn't just gonna be about art. So art is gonna be a part of it, but I have plans to, it's, I mean, I have big plans of things that I wanna do that involve my nonprofit. So you're gonna see stuff come from that. I have plans to do, I, I have plans to do like these little art kits, um, these makeup kits, I have plans to do, write a children's book to, um, I have a few different things that I have in the works right now. I don't necessarily want to reveal all of them just yet, but it's, uh, I, have, I have a lot of different ideas of ways that I can utilize my brand, Lipstick Lex, and what Lipstick Lex means. Like, what does my brand encapsulate? Well, it encapsulates love and self-love and beauty and personal empowerment and positivity and just feel-good vibes all around. So basically taking all of those elements and putting that all – taking that all those elements and this brand and like, what can I turn that into besides just fine art? Right. And um, so I'm working on a few side projects and we'll see how it all unravels, but. Um, Very yeah. exciting. Yeah. yeah.
0: And yeah. Brand. And I know some people think it's frou, frou, but the positivity works.
1: I'm telling you. People need positivity, it you works. know, yeah. in the, in the people. Go, that- go ahead. No, no go ahead. And the people that want it are the ones that seek it. And that's your vibe attracts your tribe, as yes. I always say. So yes. mm-hmm.
0: yeah. it's easy to get into that kind of woe is me, things are happening to me. But it's once you flip out of that, it's so much better mindset to be in, that positive. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And so if people want to engage it with you, what's the best way to do it? Obviously, Instagram, but.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I'm all about the Insta. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just joined TikTok, which I'm still trying to oh, figure gosh. out. Oh, gosh. I'm like, oh,
0: I know. I, I don't know if I should. I have a 14 year old daughter, so she's. Like, yeah, you should, but
1: she can coach you. I wish I had a 14 year old daughter to coach me. (laughs) I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, But yeah, so people can reach me obviously on Instagram. Uh, You can write me a DM there um, or reach out to me in my comments. But uh, my email, um, it's Lex at LipstickLex.com. If people want to check me out on my website, that's LipstickLex.com. And uh, yeah, those are my, those are my main. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. I could talk to you all day, but I appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, no, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on, and hopefully, this gives some insight to somebody else out there. So, <laughs> no, we are normally
0: talking to business folks, so I love kind of the departure and the more creative, artistic side.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It just goes to show that creatives can be business savvy too. Yeah, you just have yeah, to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, figure out of all.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you. That's the end of our show victors thank you so much for listening if you felt any benefit from this show please let us know give it a subscribe and share with somebody else that you think might benefit and don't forget to follow me at dr karen bartouch on instagram and you can check out i am jane.com for all of the services that i offer such as coaching workshops and speaking and that's d a v i d a j a n e i com. and remember the bad guy is looking for a victim not an opponent Victorization is yours.